Hey everybody, welcome to Thumbnail, a visual arts podcast. I'm Joe Rosher, illustrator, animator, and adjunct professor. And I'm Louis Rosignol, visual artist. And today we're going to be talking about change and basically just how much change happens within an art career and how adaptable you have to be because it's not like other careers. And so I thought that would be an interesting topic to kind of to discuss. Before we get started, it's been a couple of weeks since Joe and I have talked. What have you been up to, Joe, for projects? A lot of my projects lately have been self-imposed, but it's exciting. You know, you go through long stretches of time where you have a lot, a lot of work on your plate and you're stressed about getting this work done yep. and you're hustling, 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 hustling. Like, oh man, if only I had some free time to work on my own projects that I want to want to spend time on. And then your time opens up and you have this time to actually do these projects. And I feel like I'm not like, it's like I'm just taking a back seat and just slowly coasting with these projects. Yeah, sure. And enjoying the process, but not nearly as productive as I would be if I was actively being paid for it or had a strict deadline. And so I think I have to get better at that and maybe give myself deadlines and goals, even if they're small goals within the project is what I've, I've been noticing. So to try to stop me from dragging my feet a bit. I agree with you though. It's always like that. It's like when you're really busy, you wish you had more time to work on your own stuff. But then when you're slow and you have the time, it's like you don't appreciate it as much because then you're like worried, like, am I going to be busy again? And you want those jobs. Yeah. And trying to figure out how to monetize what you want to do. Right. And during these times, it's also important to keep educating yourself. And so as much as it feels like uh, when you're educating yourself and, and learning new things, it sometimes feels like you're not making any progress. Yeah. It's not a tangible product or progress marker, but you just have to kind of have faith in the fact that anything you're learning is going to pay off in time somehow. Yeah. It's different too when you're like a professional artist and you're trying to make a living your personal projects. You do have to worry, like you said, about how am I going to monetize it? Mm. Whereas if you're just like a hobby artist or you're an artist that is doing it in your free time, you can actually work on personal projects and just that you really love and it doesn't even matter. And so that is a difference that, that you do have to think about when you're a professional artist. Yeah. And then you realize how much other things matter, you know, like social media, making sure you're giving that enough attention that matters. Mm -hmm. a lot across other platforms and doing research see like what platforms you should be focusing on more and maybe your website is due for a, a revamp and so you got to look into that be like okay what can i do there and all these are different different positions uh like different jobs completely you know, like I, I feel like running a 10 person business by yourself know, yeah. yeah and so sometimes you're learning how to do things you don't necessarily want to do but it's so important to do if you could delegate one thing out of all those little jobs that you have to do what's the thing that you think you're like the weakest at that you'd like to delegate out to somebody else i think i'm the worst at keeping my pipeline full so i'd love yeah absolutely love to have an agent a rep or something that focuses on how to sell me and then let me be me. I'd put in all the work I need to do yeah. to make that happen, you know, and I'd give up a substantial chunk of that income coming in uh, because you're, you know, you're essentially hiring, you're hiring someone to help you with that. Yeah. And so like when I think about, oh, I'm, I, I'm like 10 people working one business by myself, you have to also think, well, could you even afford to hire one of those positions out? Well, that's the problem. Moment? Yeah. Or like, what are you saving? 
right? What are you saving by not? And so that's that's part of the penny saved, penny earned philosophy too. Yeah. Basically income by learning how to do another skill enough. You know, you might not be the best at book, but do a good enough job for it to pass. To pass. That's how <laughs> that's how it is though. You've got to do everything. I've thought about that before. Like the thing they hate doing the most is packaging and shipping. Uh, yeah. But if I could hire somebody else, that's not who what I'd hire for because I don't think it would pay for itself because they're not going to really bring in any extra money. Someone that's just packaging for me. I would be better off hiring a marketer and, yeah. and then I could pay them like a percentage of what they bring in. So that motivates them to want to work harder. Right. The one thing that I'd like to hire for is the thing that would be like the most useless for me because like someone just packaging for me really doesn't add value to my business. I think it can add value, but I think it's like a second tier. Like that'd be my second hire to start to get things off my plate. Like what if I had a studio assistant yeah. that can not only color the base layer of everything I need, or like the base layer of all the painted sculptures I need and then let me just do all the final details like, and then they could handle all the pack, whatever. Yeah. That would be amazing. That would be absolutely amazing. Well, I guess you've brought up a good point though. I guess it would add value because if they're doing that, that means it frees up time for you. It frees up time. Yeah, that's right. what I mean by adding value. Right. And that means I could actually spend more time marketing, spend all the time using packaging to market and then... Or making new product because how... Like yeah. sometimes you could release 10 different products and only one of them actually work. Yeah, that's often the case. How many out of 100 work really well? Yeah. And so sometimes that's just a numbers game. It's giving you more time to make more iteration uh, to maybe stumble upon something swell. And it takes time to figure that out. And a lot of, like you said, you just got it. It's a numbers game. The more things you put up on Etsy or whatever your store is, the more you figure out which works and which doesn't. I have a funny story that happened recently. Well, it's not, it's not funny. It's kind of yeah, maybe even a mistake. All right. Let's hear it. So a colleague of mine came to me asking if I could make an image for one unicorn moose called a moosicorn to just make stickers of uh, mugs and t-shirts and stuff for his, his shop. And I'm like, okay. And he also had a style that he wanted, very anime kind of style. Well, this is totally something I don't do. Yeah. And he's like, I want full rights to it at like a $300 price tag or something like that. Well, that's super low to have full rights to something, but it's something I don't do. And if I didn't do it, he'd gonna, he's going to just bring it to someone else to do it for him. He's going to make this happen anyway. I guess I'll just do it. I don't believe in the image. I don't think... It's not like something you put in your portfolio. It's definitely not something I put in my portfolio. Right. Yeah. Like I, I almost don't even want my name attached to it. <laughs> yeah, I've done projects like that. Quick money, you know, it's going to help pay for rent for the month, you know, part of my rent. So I did it and it came out well. It came out really good and professional. And it looks as good as it could be in that style. You know, I just don't like that style. As they right. Fast forward a little, a couple of weeks, he has stickers. Uh, he made pillows with them and it was just, uh, I, I thought it looked horrible. But then he comes around, <laughs> you wouldn't believe how much this thing is selling. You know, like I'm selling out of all these pillows. I can't keep them in the shop. Oh no. Uh, all these stickers are selling. Like I made like four grand off of just stickers alone. And he's going cups, t-shirts and all this other stuff with this moosicorn and i'm like are you kidding me i i don't understand one how it's working <laughs> so now i think i don't understand anything about illustration whatsoever because of this one scenario and then two i just screwed myself out of a substantial chunk of change there like i i should have structured it different you know at the very least structure it with a timeline like okay you could have this image for the next six months or the next year and you do what you want with it but then after that that we have to re-up or kill it now. So yeah, you learned a lesson the hard way on that one. I think that was a substantial failure that I want to share. Did 
did you not do like want to do like a royalty on it because you just didn't think he was even going to sell it or oh i wanted to and i always do and usually would but he didn't want to do that for the he just he just wants full right he's going to find a way to do it find someone who would want to do it what and he would that's the thing in this and he would yeah right yeah and so we'll see how that see how that goes maybe he hit a trend right and it could be a spike well that happens maybe it will lead to other things i hope it won't lead to more anime stickers you know but <laughs> hey if they sell if, if they're selling like that then just you know get a royalty everyone has their price i guess yeah and you don't even need to put your name on it right. like that's the thing but yeah I mean, oftentimes people... kind of has to do with the, the category today. Oh, yeah, for sure. And you learn things like that. And that helps you to change the way you do business in the future, for sure. I think so. Only thing I'm working on is that. So I have that insect book that doing a second one of. Oh, cool. And it's all done. It's sent to the printer. I'm starting a Kickstarter. I'm working on putting that together right now. And I kind of want to do... Well, I can show you, but on the, unfortunately, people at home can't see. There's this artist, Leonard Baskin, and he has this little box set of four miniature book and they're like domestic animals insect fish extinct creatures so i like this idea of having four mini book it's like a set mm. now i've done two and i'd like to do two more in a similar vein mine are a little bit bigger than these ones these are i think three a little over three inches and mine are four but they're still pretty small they're actually really short they're only like 20 pages and mine is 82 pages once you take the pages that you glue to the ends out yeah the reason i like the mini books is it's cool like anything mini is interesting. Yeah. But they're cheap to produce. You can produce them for like $3 a piece, maybe even less if you print enough of them. Wow. And so then you can sell them for 15, 20 bucks and it's a decent profit. And they're super cheap to ship because they barely weigh anything. Right. And insects just work well because they're small anyway. So you can kind of draw them life size, honestly, maybe even bigger. Right. I think I'm going to do a fish one too next or anything in the sea. So maybe shrimp and crabs and everything too. Yeah. And then I'll figure out what to do for a fourth one. I haven't decided yet, but I didn't do any books last year. And so it actually made me more pumped to do it this year because I had put out a book every year for the three years before that. And I kind of was worn out or not worn out, mm. but you know, just like burnt, burnt out, out on it. Yeah. And so now I'm more excited for it again, which is good. So I'm glad I didn't push myself to do. Plus last year was a pandemic and it may not have been a good time to put one out anyway. I think it's good that you've already got things started with the publisher though, before even releasing a Kickstarter. I've seen it done both ways. One, when I get the product that I'm helping kickstart pretty soon after, it's really nice. Yeah, that's you know? how I feel too. But I've had projects that I've helped kickstart that took, you know, three plus years to get the final product. I don't know how I feel about this. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. It's not like I want it more. I'm just frustrated. You, you that forget about so it. Long. Yeah, you just forget about it. And then you remember one day like, hey, what about that product that I was supposed to be getting? Right. That's annoying. I've did this on purpose. I want it so that when the Kickstarter finishes, the books are either that I have them already or I'm close to having them. Mm -hmm. I'm doing it that way. And I did it that way on my last Kickstarter because it sucks when you have all these orders looming over your head that you know you have to fulfill. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know as soon as I get those books, I have to package up, you know, a few hundred things and it's a lot of work. I'd rather just get it done with. So, and plus, like you said, it's better for the, the backer or the customer. They're way more appreciative if their card gets charged at the end of the campaign and within a couple of weeks, they've got their product. Can you set it up in a way where they have everything ready to go and then you can get a final number count in and change your number at the last minute? Like how many 
quantities you want? Not the way I'm going to do it because they're going to be, before the Kickstarter even finishes, they're, they'll have already shipped the book. Because that's actually the longest part is the shipping because they come from China. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that takes six weeks if they do it by boat. Yeah, wow. So at that point, I won't be able to change them. But I think with the Little Fish book, I'll probably do at least a thousand copies because they're so cheap. I'll easily be able to sell them. I sold out of discarded and remedial sketches and my insect, my first insect book, I'm almost out of. Wow. And the other book, Top Drawer, I I got a lot of copies of that one. So I still have a decent amount. But the cool thing is, I think what I'd like to do is if I reach my goal on my Kickstarter and exceed it by a few thousand bucks, I would like to reprint Remedial Sketches, which is a sold out, out of print book. And people ask Mm -hmm. about it still. So it'd be cool to reprint it and have it like a second edition, I guess. I could even put in some new sketches in the second edition if I wanted to. Yeah. Yeah, you should. Make it different enough where people even have the first one might Might want to buy it. Yeah. So I think I will probably do something like that. To reprint it, that would probably cost like eight or $9,000 though. So I'd have to reach my goal and exceed it by a decent amount for me to be able to do that. Yeah. So that's my plan anyway for the next couple months, what, what I'll be focusing on. And so that's that's cool. Let's move into the topic because I thought it was a good one just because I was thinking the other day, like, well, for instance, like my dad, he's retiring this year, but he's worked for his first 20 years of his career. He worked in a leather tannery and then that place closed and he ended up moving over to work in a garage and, and he worked there for like over 20 years. But his work is so steady. Like he goes in and does the same thing every day. That's just what he does. And it's nice because he has, you know, it's like a nice to have a routine and have reliable work and you know what you're going to be doing and you know what your paycheck's going to be. But that's so different from how I work and how you work. Oh yeah, so different. Everything's always changing. The amount of money is changing. How you work, who you're working with is constantly changing. So I thought we could kind of talk about that how adaptable you have to be. And basically, the conversation can go anywhere in that topic, I guess. Yeah. You know, like technology alone, keeping up with it, you're constantly having to learn new stuff, new skills, keep investing into new hardware, software, Yeah, just to keep up with the times, you know, to even keep yourself in the running. So that that's a huge change. Uh, artists in particular, are really think we're pretty resilient and mold pretty easily to, to where the needs are, you know, where the art is adapting that, at least commercial artists. I feel like you have to be. You think that's because we like working as artists so much that we're willing to make those changes because it keeps us in in the business and it keeps us doing what we love? Because I, I, I wondered about that too. You're right though. It is like you have to be on top of your game as far as technology, even just like social media is part of technology and that's constantly changing. You know, went from MySpace to Facebook to Instagram and now it's kind of moving to TikTok and you have to kind of be where the people are. That change I think is more of a necessity necessity than it is because I want. Well, don't you think a lot of the changes are necessity more than want? But you are correct that there are some that you want to do and want to change. And it's probably a necessity in most, if not all fields, right? The same same kind of thing where technology is constantly evolving, processes are evolving. So even uh, like if you were a factory worker, your job could be obsolete as soon as they purchase a certain piece of equipment. Right. And not only is that helping produce more quantity of item value, it's also safer. Uh, so all, all these positives are outweighing the one negative of now that job is up. And they've got to figure out a new And they got to figure that change. Yeah. So what do you think some of the negative things that are changing? I don't want to be negative and I want to talk about the positives too, but what are the things that change about your career that you have to always be adaptable that, that aren't fun, but you still deal with? Because I'm kind of thinking of like the social media angle where you always have to be like figuring out 
how social media is changing mm. and where people are. And I, I kind of don't love doing that, but it's yeah. I know it's important. It's the most overwhelming aspect, but I also know how fortunate we are to have it. Think back to a time before the internet, would you even be discovered as an artist and have the success you have without social media? You would have to move probably to a big city that has like publishers and you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Minimum. And be like, that's where uh, showing at galleries is like crazy important. Yep. It's all about getting eyes on your work and lots of people's eyes on your work. And so without social media, how it's made it so much easier for us, you know, but at the same time, it's just another thing we have to do, you know, and it's, uh, it's harder than it seems even though it's easier than it was. You feel like you have to be a content creator on top of being an artist. Yeah. And what I mean by that is an artist that you might make be an artist that does oil paintings. And so you're only going to make one new oil painting every, maybe every few weeks, maybe every few months, depending on how fast you work. But yeah. with social media, you you can't post once every few months and gain any traction. Now you've got to come up yeah. with like, how can I make content for my social media that builds anticipation of my new work, you know, and that's a challenge to do. Right. And then you try to find ways to fit it in seamlessly. It's like, so maybe I could have a camera going while I'm doing the thing I need done. Do people want to see that? I don't know. Maybe sometimes. A lot of times, yeah. But it's also another what, four or five steps you're adding to your process yep. when without social media involved, all you're trying to do is take processes out of the question. You know, you're trying to streamline, you're trying to figure out ways to make things faster yep. in order to improve your quality. So all this extra stuff, is it affecting quality across the board? Maybe. I think it probably does affect quality because there's so many people that are trying to put out more work just so they have more posts and that means they're going quicker. I see so many TikTok artists that are like, they're putting out so much new work all the time and they're taking videos and I can tell they're putting a ton of effort into these videos, which means that's a lot of time they could be spent perfecting their craft. And a lot of these artists aren't even, I don't mean to say they're not good, but they wouldn't be a professional artist 30 years ago. Yeah. They just wouldn't. But because you're putting out your art in front of a lot of other amateur artists and well, TikTok has a lot of kids on it. Finding some success. Yeah. Because there's people on TikTok that have, I know we've talked about this before, but they have over a million followers and their art is, you know, it's, it's all right, but it, it's just because they know how they're creative with how they market their work, how they, the videos they make. And I'm usually caught up in quality. And I think that's my biggest downside. So much of the time I have to tell myself it doesn't matter about the quality for these social media posts. Yeah. I think quantity is the better game. It's how you gain traction. And that's how you're getting the eyes. You know, you're just feeding the algorithm what it wants and eventually getting more and more eyes on your work. So you don't have to get so tight about how awesome the video looks or how high production the video is. I think that's not the purpose so much for social media. And you kind of have to not care what you look like too, because there's one artist on there that she's got a decent following and she does clothes. She puts her designs on clothes. And if you scroll through her videos, every video, check out my new designs, but she's showing the same thing from last video. She just does it in like a slightly different way each time. And it's the same video over and over and over again, but they're reaching different people each time. I would have a hard time making the same video over and over again. Like, it doesn't seem very fulfilling. It seems salesy. Yeah, I have a super hard time with that too. I think it's going to work now in the short term. And I think that's how you'll find more growth in the short term. But as you're saying, you're already already catching on to these patterns. More and more people will start catching on to these patterns and it will bite you in the ass. It'll get old. Eventually. Yeah. 
it will get old. It'll become it'll become one of those things where you know you don't do now. You know, maybe in the very beginning of Instagram, you, you throw a lot of hashtags on something. It's great. Is there such thing as too many hashtags? Yeah, probably. You know, is there such thing as repeating content over and over this set of different ways? Is that could that be bad? Maybe. Do you know what I get? I get caught up with social media too. Is if I don't use the things, I just assume nobody uses them. So, for instance, like Instagram Live. I never look at other people's Instagram lives. So then I th- think like nobody's looking at them. So then I don't make them or stories. I don't look at people's stories that often. So I d- tend not to make them, but I know people are doing them. So you really need to be diverse when, with those things, at least testing them out. But I think social media is just one thing. Do you want to talk a little bit about clients? Because when you're an artist, you're constantly working with different people. And I mean, w- tell people what that's like, because maybe people don't understand that if, if they have a job where they're going and they work with the same people every day. And maybe they think it'd be fun to, to work with new clients, but there's definitely pros and cons to it. Definitely pros and cons. You have to also keep in mind when you're working with vastly different clients, there's a period of time where you have to do a lot of research and even get familiar with the basics of the industry they're in. Yeah. So one day I'm working with nonprofits on how to save fish. And then the next day, like I, I had a phone call recently with someone who wants mission patches designed for a company that makes space propulsion system, you know? So like, like it's a totally different world. Like one's underwater, one's in space. Like, and I don't know anything about either. Yeah. So not only do you have to be the expert in how to make it look good? You actually have to do some research and have some basic understanding before you can draw and start. So that's a great point how adaptable you have to be. You have to be willing to learn about anything quickly. Yeah. yeah. And you don't have to learn everything about it, just enough yeah. to get the point across. And sometimes that's the benefit of not having any experience in something because a lot of times these companies want to be able to explain the complex thing they're doing to the layman. And so me being someone who knows nothing is actually a benefit for this project. That's true. I need to understand it. And just as much as everyone else needs to understand it. So it can be completely different day to day. Not only that, but being able to transition from one to the other, you know, in the same day. You know, what if you had to do finish tweaks on one and the revisions on another? So you kind of have to be able to be super nimble. How do you deal with that as far as you're working with new clients all the time? So when you get a new client, do you set the rules up front? Like, this is how I work. I'm going to send you this many rounds of sketches and if anything over that and I'll charge this much more? Or do you kind of feel them out and see what they're looking for and what they're expecting of you? I feel them out first and see what they're expecting, what they want, really poke and prod to, to get a basic understanding of what it is they do, basic understanding of, of what they want, to the extent of even asking if they have examples in mind of what they want to look like. You know, it's like, do they yeah. we really like Duluth trading commercials or we really like uh, Red Bull commercials. Yeah. Can we do something like that for this? Yeah, we can. And we get a feel of what they want. Then I'll quote them on how much the project will cost. And most times it's like, oh, uh, we didn't know it was going to cost that much. Like, well, okay, that's fine. <laughs> let's let's find a place where uh, can. And so by doing that, we you end up pulling out the actual budget because a lot of times they'll come to you saying, oh, well, we don't have a budget. It's like, okay, well, then it's, <laughs> if I said it was a million dollars, would that be in budget? Right. Everyone has a budget. You have a budget. Yeah. 
Yeah. You have you have a cap. And so you find the balance there, like how much quality of a product they want and how complex of a product they want versus how much they're willing to pay and then trying to find the middle ground and then reevaluate and re-agree again on expectation yeah. for what that means. It's like, okay, we can do a Red Bull style commercial, but for this budget, we can't do any color. Yep. Is that okay? Or if you want color, we can, instead of a minute long animation, it's 10 seconds. Right. Are those sacrifices okay? Like you need to sacrifice something. Something needs to be taken out. What is it going to be to meet everyone's needs? That's a great way of how you have to be adaptable though. Yeah. And then you move on to how the project will be structured and what the process, character design, sketch, thumbnail, storyboard, loose animation to final animate. Right. But project to project, that change yeah. is never... It's never the same. Sometimes there's a super rush. They have a really hard deadline. And now that's the only thing I'm able to work on for the next couple of weeks because I need to hit that deadline. And because of that, there needs to be a rush fee. Yeah. And because of that, we are going to have to skip through some of these revision back and forth stages you know, and cut that and all these budget needs. So, Do you know what I was thinking too about change as far as how the industry has changed over time? I feel like 10, 20, 30 years ago, illustrators mostly were hired by businesses that had hired illustrators before, maybe publishers or other people that have worked with illustrators and they know how they work. And today you get a lot of people that maybe it's their first time they've hired an illustrator. You know what I mean? Or they're a startup company because there's just so many entrepreneurs out there that are starting things and want to maybe hire an artist to help them. And people are used to price tags. They're just used to going online and shopping and there's a price tag. And so they might reach out to you and say like, how much to commission you? And they don't give you any information because they don't understand how artists work and how like you're saying, how adaptable we are and how customizable the job can be based on their budget. Right. And you can leave out rounds of sketching. You can do certain things to make it cheaper. And so that that's a challenge when you have to communicate that to so many people because most of the clients today don't understand that. And then finding your personal limits too. Right now, I, I even opened my personal limit. It used to be like, I won't take anything that's going to be less than a $1,000 project. Right. I've opened that up for some friends and family stuff like $500 because anything lower than that, I'm losing money. Right. You know, you, Unless like, it's like a, it's a quick and a lot of people. Right. But if it's customized in any way and you're trying to get something down under a hundred dollars, you know, it's not possible. It's gonna take five times the sales to even get to the to the five hundred minimum and being three at least three times the work, if not more. And it just doesn't add up. I'd rather actually not have those small projects come in and not make that money and have that time to focus on something else. Can I ask you a question? How often do you email someone with a quote and they just right away are like, yep, that's fine versus they need you to work with them and their budget? That's when you learn real experience. When I'm giving quotes to agency, you know, ad agency, they understand the cost involved. Right. They understand the time. They understand the back and forth. And a lot of times it's way cheaper than they'd ever expect, you know? And so they're like, okay, great. We just have to get final with the client. And days, days later, it's it's a go or you hear back relatively quickly. But as far as how often it's just like, yes, it's, it's usually not a right away yes. Yeah. It's usually back and forth. And so I think it's rare when it's a right away yes. 10% of the time. So because of that, you you always have to basically give a quote that's a little high that you're willing to come down on or no. I, maybe you don't want to put that out in the world. I don't know. I'm just thinking because when I quote people, I generally will give them my quote and that's the end of it. Like if they don't want to deal with that price, then I'm okay with it. I'm just not going to take the job. Yeah, That's why I'm wondering. But I don't work with as many clients as you do. Yeah. You're 
career is much more client based. So always giving a fair rate for my work. Right. And I'm not over, I'm sometimes over delivering. So like, I hear you. This is how we can make it as good as you want it to be. I think it could be better with this added and doing it this way. And at, with this vision, you know, it, it could win awards, you know, like it, it could be bigger than we both thought. This is my pie in the sky project. Let's start here and take away thing to meet the budget you're comfortable with. And sometimes it's higher than the budget they're originally comfortable with. Sometimes they have to take a lot away to get to a point where they are comfortable. But as soon as they start having this conversation, you know that they're actually interested. Right. And so there's other times where you start this conversation and then they say no right away. And then you're just trying to save the project. And sometimes you save it, but most of the times you don't. And you don't save it and you can't convince them just to see the vision with you. And that's fine too. It also sometimes is the red flag and tells you the need to continue this relationship. Can we talk about that real quick? Because it's maybe a little off topic, but what are some red flags? Because I have one, but I'd like to know what some of your red flags are when you're dealing with client, like in email or on the phone, things that they might say or, or try to pull that it's a huge red flag. And maybe you'd rather just back out. You're like, why does it cost that much? That should only take you, what, an hour? That's a huge red flag. I'll go through mine then. I recently worked with a client and I should have known right off the bat because the project that they wanted me to work on, they had no direction. They wanted me to do something for them. I don't want to get into too much detail because I don't want them to know that I'm talking about them. But they didn't have like any type of vision for what they wanted and they left it up to me to do this. And that's hard because I know in their mind, they really do have an idea of what they'd say no to. And so I'm trying to like make this so that let's say I'm going to use a different example. Let's say someone wants to do a book cover for their book. And then you ask them like, what do you want for the book cover? And then they're like, no, whatever you think. Like that's basically the type of client that I just work with. And I said like, are you sure? Because if you're really that open, I'll just do whatever I want. But I should have said right away, you need to give me more direction because they were a nightmare. Like as soon as I started sending them sketches and drawings and ideas, everything was, no, that's not it. No, that's not it. And I was right. this. I was so close to just giving them their deposit back and saying, this isn't going to work. But I kept going and and then I finally came up with an idea that they loved. And so I, I did the drawing out and sent it to them and they didn't love the layout. And I'm going to tell you that this layout was the composition. It was probably one of the best compositions I've ever made. I was so happy with it and they were they weren't happy with it. They didn't like it. And so I had to change it around the way that they said. They basically micromanaged me the whole time. And it turned out awful. I'm not going to post it on my social media. And they probably were hoping I would because they know I have a good amount of followers to help their product or whatever. But I'm not going to because they micromanaged it into a point where it doesn't even look good. So those are the big red flags that I was thinking of with working with clients is if they don't have a good clear direction and if they try to micromanage you. But the micromanaging one's hard because sometimes you don't know until you've already started the project that they're going to try to micromanage everything. That's happened to me before too. And what I've learned in situations like that, you have to be upfront and be like, well, this price includes two revisions. Right. You know, anything more than that is fine. But then we're going to have to charge more, you know, a hundred an hour. You know, we're going to have to charge an hourly rate yeah. just based on revisions. alone. And then that's usually fine. And then sometimes I, sometimes I wonder if clients will purposefully have two revisions just because they paid for two revisions. I think you're probably right. Like they just feel like you they know? need to get their money's worth yeah. and change something. <laughs> 
for no reason. And so that, that's annoying. But at the same time, are they thinking that I'm purposefully leaving something out to use up those revisions? You know, I think it's a double-edged sword, but... Maybe you could do like, um, offer them a deal. Like if they take it on the first try, they get like a small discount or something. That way they don't use the revisions just for the heck of it. I don't know. Yeah, that's actually... Like work it into the price so that I'll give you yeah. 10% off if you don't make me do any revisions. Right. This is the price, including two revisions. If I if we don't need any revisions, we could take off 500 bucks. Yeah. See, then it's like worth it to them and they don't maybe make you do the revisions just because. Right. And worth it to you. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, Save sure, you you're time. sacrificing 500 bucks, but so much. No, it's pain in the ass to, to have that back and forth. And a lot of times I forget, or you try to, you try to budget in the back and forth. And that's important for people to remember to do yeah. when you're quoting. It's not just the amount of time you're physically pencil to paper drawing the commission or, or whatever it's the in-between time it's the shower time you're thinking about it you know like it's it's the daydream time where you're trying to solve the problem it's the back and forth emails phone calls you got to count all that as part of hours spent on the project yeah and that that's a change i've had to make over the years i, I fell into these traps and these cycles cycles of having to revision 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 another thing is making sure that you have a deposit down yep. so that they have skin in the game and you have something to run up. Yeah, no, you still for sure. feed yourself. Because you, I mean, I definitely have had people that didn't pay me. It only happened once, but it was, I got a deposit of $100 and then I did probably six, $700 worth of work for them. Didn't ever get the rest of it. I didn't send the art to them obviously either, but the point is I made me decide, okay, from now on I'm getting half up front because if they're not going to make the second payment, at least I'll make a decent chunk. I've been too trusting as well. Me too. The foundation is trust. I like to start with, I will trust you until you give me a reason not to. And I, I strongly believe in that philosophy and it's got me to where I am today. But I think I'm going to start adding some minor precautions where when I send someone the final, like have it watermark, you know, watermark yep. it with your logo. Or a low or resolution or something. Keep it keep it low res, right? Yep. And then so you could still have the final product as collateral and you could be like, okay, I'll give you the final high res thing as soon as I get the final deposit. Yeah, I would never send a high res image until I've gotten you know, fully you paid. You, they can see what they're getting. Yep. And so that's not an issue. They can't use it because it's got a watermark or it's just so it's such low res. There's no way they'd be able to use it. Right. Smart. What about as far as like how much you've changed? Like I'm thinking about myself. I started, you know, trying to work doing editorial illustration and then I started selling prints on my Etsy shop and that kind of took off. And then I started publishing books like, and then I, this year I've been teaching and I'm going to do more teaching later in the year. And I feel like, well, I guess like you're talking about, you add these different roles to what you're doing, but most jobs don't really evolve like that. I guess you can get promoted within companies and, and your role can change a little bit, but I don't think as drastically usually as they can as an artist for teaching is nothing like drawing. Yeah. I think it's important to, that's a form of diversification and having multiple streams of income. And I think it's important to add those. Right. You find ways you could add streams of income more passively than others. So, so maybe less time is like so much time has been built up in one category, let's say retail side of things and prints. I've built up this library of work that I now sell and I can now slowly add to the library instead of, instead of 
on everything. So now I've, I've built up something that's a little little bit more passive. Try to convert how you make money. So instead of hourly, can you can you get away from that? Can you start making money not hourly, project based, product based? And that's a lot more scalable. You can only scale your hourly time so much. You only yeah. have you have 10, 12 hours a day that you're up, but how much of that are you even working? And I think the average is like three to four hours actually of actual work. And so how do you use the rest of that time that you're not actively focusing on? You have to you have to find half month to automate things. So that's where I think shops come into play. That's where thinking about production comes like, are you pretty high for you? Uh, that kind of thing. I think that's that's what's important as an artist these days, thinking more like a, it's almost thinking like a factory. And we have ways to do this now. Even you were saying now you can now make a book. You're not making each book by hand. No. You yeah. Know? You designed the book and now you could keep printing the book. And so you're you're passively making product. There's even like drop shipping book places now where you can get books printed per book, which is it's expensive. You have to charge a lot for them. But if you're a small artist just starting out and you don't like, oh, I'm not, I don't want to print 500 books because I don't know if I'll sell them. And actually, I would recommend not printing 500 books to a small artist just starting out because there's a pretty good chance you won't sell them. It's cool because of technology and how things have advanced, like drop shipping and all these different things offer an artist the opportunity to sell their own products. You know, it used to be like someone would hire an artist to create designs for shirts and that company's going to sell the shirts. But artists can sell their own stuff like that nowadays pretty easily and start their own brands if they want. So it's cool if you're if you're a hustler and you're willing to put in the work. I like what you're talking about too, though, like about moving from hourly to more like project based. That's how I've definitely thought about moving. Have you ever heard? can't remember who talked about this, but it wasn't like an art thing. They were saying you measure your success by how far away your name is from your own body. Have you heard that? No. I can't remember. It was like on a podcast like Mark Maron or something. But if you think about it like this, like if you have a name tag, if you have to wear a name tag at your job, you maybe you're not that successful or you're not you're not making a lot of money. Let's not say successful because you could be a f- successful family man and you can have different successes. So I'm not I didn't mean it like that. I just mean you're probably not making as much money if you have to wear a name tag. And then if you get your name on a little placard on a desk, your name is a little bit further away from you now. You're maybe a little bit making a little bit more money. And then when your name is on your office door, it's further away from you. Now you're making even more money. And then when your name is on the building, now you're making the most amount of money. I can't remember who came up with that, but it's it's actually pretty smart because it's kind of true, right? Yeah. You don't want your name to be on your body. (laughs) Right. You want it to be as far away from you as possible. Funny. Maybe someone can message me with who came up with that because I didn't make it up. I heard it and I'm like, that's pretty smart. Thinks of these things. Yeah, it's kind of like if if you could recognize someone, like the people, the celebrities you could recognize at the airport or somewhere when you're you're just out and about, if you could recognize them by name, then probably making money. Yeah, for the most part. You know what's, what the worst part is, is there are celebrities that are were big maybe in the 90s and you can recognize them and they're not making a ton of money. Well, like the guy from the Cosby show that was just seen working at Trader Joe's. This, do you remember that? Like a year ago or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's obviously doesn't have a lot of money. He's working at Trader Joe's, but he probably gets recognized a good amount and people probably just assume that he's like a millionaire. Not anymore, right. but you know what I mean? If you are recognized, I don't know. I've never been recognized. I always hope, oh, hope yeah. one day yeah, that someone will go, hey, I think I saw you on TikTok or something or on Instagram, but <laughs> I never have ever, it's never happened to me yet. <laughs> Yeah. So you know, I, I I don't mind that. I'd rather someone recognize work 
I've heard people say, like, when I'm at shows or fairs, it's like, oh, I've seen that moose before. Yeah. Oh, I've seen this stuff before. It's like, oh, that's cool. I'd much rather them know my pieces. Yeah, me too. Me. That's just how it is for artists. I mean, you're way more likely to recognize their work, and that's totally fine. Do you have anything else you wanted to talk about as far as change? I think I covered kind of what we w- I wanted to, but... I think that's pretty good. Cool. I think that covered everything I was thinking of. Me too. By the time this comes out, maybe my Kickstarter will be out for my book, and so go check that out if it is. Yeah. If it isn't yet, you can sign up for email newsletter on my Instagram and that you'll get alerted right when that Kickstarter drops. So just I just want to put that out there in the world so that people know. Yeah. And thanks for listening. Yeah. Take care. See you.